great. Um, so thanks to everyone who is uh, on Zoom waiting patiently um, because uh, we were just waiting to get our tech set up and we're good now. And um, the chat should be open. So if you have questions, please send them and there's someone monitoring the chat. Okay. So by God's grace today, we're going to talk about a pretty um, kind of a, a, a harsh title here about six common ways parents emotionally harm their children. And uh, I just want to say that there, there is no, usually, almost all the time, not 100% time, but most of the time, there is no parent that wants to harm their child. Okay, so, but as happens in all relationships, actually, we harm each other unintentionally, either because we don't know how to be better or because um, we, we just kind of make mistakes and we just, we don't even realize we're harming the other person, okay? Okay. All right. So there's three truths. The first truth is most relational issues have emotional issues or challenges at the core. So just try to focus on one issue at a time. I should have put an animation here to hide them. Um, the first truth is that most relational issues have emotional issues at the core. So just think about any problem you're having in a relationship. Usually there's something emotional going on. That's a problem. The second truth is that most emotional issues that we face can be traced back to our early childhood. They can be traced back to our early childhood. So if you're, if you're worried about um, love or favor being withdrawn from you, that probably did not happen because of an experience as an adult. right? It probably happened when you were younger. right? By the way, kind of a funny way to say this, but... Um, all adult therapy clients, right? It's just people who are like 20 years, who are children now and 20 years later, right? Like every adult therapy client is someone who was like our children, right? We were all children at a point in time, right? And most of the things that come out in, in therapy are things that happened um, when we were in our early childhoods. And the third truth is that the emotional intelligence that we develop as children will drive so much of how we experience life as adults, and that's what we're going to be focusing on a lot. Research shows, wow, that font is really small up there. Okay, uh, research shows children with lower emotional intelligence, they have poorer academic performance, lower self-esteem and greater self-doubt, poorer ability to develop new relationships. This is all, by the way, uh, like very quantified. I'm just kind of summarizing it for you in a very like simple way, but it's quantified. Increased likelihood of harm to self and others. Increased defiance against authority figures and incre increased likelihood of drug use. These are children with lower emotional intelligence. And, as, and these were observed, like there was a, a study, a, like a time study, where they saw children at a certain time. They saw how they were interacting with their peers, how they were interacting with their parents, and they were measuring them on specific um, qualities in their interactions. And, and then three or four years later, they, they saw them again, and they asked the teachers and the parents to report certain things. It's all very scientific, right? But children with lower emotional intelligence experience these problems. Parents are uniquely positioned to form the emotional character of their children. The, the, the simple version of this is there is no one like you, parents. There is no one like you who is able to form the emotional character of the child, right? So the child could have a traumatic event, but how you respond in a traumatic event as a parent 
could determine what the child like experiences and gains or loses from that. I actually want to tell you, I, I may have said this uh, the last time we were talking or a few times ago. Um, w- w- you know, of course, if you're doing um, an intake or something with a client, one of the things you ask about is, you know, have you experienced any type of abuse? And you go like one by one, right? Emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual. And um, if they say that they had a certain type of abuse, especially sexual, one of the next questions that you ask is, uh, who did you tell about it? Who did you tell? Sometimes it's very sad. Sometimes the therapist is the first person they've ever told. Right. And so one time uh, someone said to me, I, I was abused when I was in college and only uh, sorry, she was abused when she was in um, a gymnastics program when she was younger and she only told her parents when she was in college. Right. The next question is, how did your parents respond? How the parents respond can be more traumatic than the abuse itself. Right. So that's why I'm saying that parents are uniquely positioned to form the emotional character of their child. Before I continue, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize this font was so small. It looks so nice on my screen. Um, But, you know, that's all right. We'll get through it. Um, Before I continue, I want to say a few things. Um, One is, as a child, you likely did not experience most, if not all, of what we're going to discuss today. Last time I was talking about a topic like this with a different group, uh, one person just said, and they started tearing up, and they said, my parents didn't do any of this stuff. And I was like, yeah, and that really stinks. Like, but, but that is not a justification for us not doing that with our children, right? That's not a justification. Um, but it's going to be um, maybe we didn't experience it, we didn't get it. And again, the people who didn't get it from their parents – those are the ones in need of the help right now as adults, right? Like that's, that's us. It's me, right? It's, it's all of us, right? The second thing is that as a parent, I want to just acknowledge and give you credit that you're most likely trying very hard to be a good parent, okay? You're, very, you're trying very hard, okay? Also, what we're going to discuss today may seem radical, and it's going to require lots of practice because you didn't experience it most likely from your own parents. Um, you're already trying very hard. It's like, wait, what did I miss? Like, I'm, I'm trying so hard, right? Uh, but what we're going to talk about is going to sound radical, right? The good news is, is as you get better at this, your children will too. One more thing. If you take nothing else away from today, internalize this message. And, and please just pay attention to this. When a little person is sad, that has the exact same amount of weight as when a big person is sad. Let me just say that again. When a little person is sad, that has the same exact amount of weight as when a big person is sad. Sometimes we think that the little person's sadness is like, it's nothing. You know, it's just like some kid, right? But the weight of that is exactly the same as an adult sadness. Sadness is sadness, is sadness, is sadness. Anger is anger, is anger, is anger, okay? Um, now, for a moment, and because I, I want us to start thinking about this from what would we do for an adult and then say to yourself, how could I not do that for a kid, right? Because usually what we're thinking is, this is what I do with adults and this is what I do with kids, right? Imagine for a moment that your spouse walks in the door in, in, the, after, in the evening after work and they say to you, and they look at you with a very like solemn face, and they're like, I am very sad. I'm, I'm deeply sad. Can I 
uh, hear from you. What would you do if your spouse said that? Yes. Ice cream. Okay. Yes. That 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 is actually exactly what to do with certain adults, but 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 only a few of them. Maybe only one. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A cookie. Okay. Yeah, you guys are. You guys should have been therapists. Like, yeah, that's actually what a therapist should do. They should just have cookies and ice cream in, in the session room. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, let me hear and then hear. Why are you sad? You would ask why are you sad? Yeah. It would make you sad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? So, so you'd start to have some empathy, right? Um, you'd, you'd start to explore, right? Well, you'd kind of, let me add some more things, right? Because by the way, what we're saying here, what I'm, what we're answering, the question, the question we're answering is something we've discussed so many times here before, right? Right? What would you do? Um, uh, you, one of the other things you would do is you'd probably say to yourself, if, if you're like kind of pretty good at it being emotionally intelligent, is, is this is about to take half an hour. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, everything has to slow down and stop, right? I'm going to slow down. My spouse is sad. They're not usually sad like this. So I need to slow things down. I need to focus. I need to explore. I need to empathize, right? That's what I need to do. Right. This is like kind of this is very easy to accept. Right. What I'm saying right now. Right. Like this is not anything new. We've all heard this and we've heard this like a thousand times. Right. We need to do the same thing with our children. Because what we're doing otherwise is we're just and actually I'll show you in in a few slides is what we're doing is we're skipping that emotional process. We skip it. Right. The, The child comes in with distress and then what we do is we immediately jump to the problem solving and the distracting. Our goal becomes to get them to stop crying, to behave, right? To, or, or we just want to take their mind off of it so they can smile again, so we can move forward, right? We have things to do, right? So, by the way, it, yes, yes. We need to define sadness a little bit better because, like, emotional distress. Uh, how often does an adult, for example, get really sad or cry? Once every few months, maybe once every few years. Yeah. Uh, maybe some people don't cry at all. Um, but like, if I can't take my kids to the park, they're gonna fall down ten times in one hour, and they're gonna come to me emotionally distressed ten times. That doesn't hold the same weight as my spouse who cries once a year and is crying to, in front of me right now, I need to take that more seriously. Yeah. You know, there's kind of two aspects to this. One is if your spouse is only coming once a year, there's probably lots and lots of times that they're not coming because we haven't set that space, right? Or because they themselves didn't get that openness, that freedom when they were younger. We're going to talk about a lot of that. Um, uh, the other thing with the child is that once we start to get into this flow of teaching them how to respond to their emotions, they start to self-manage. And that's really, really important. The problem is we're skipping the process of teaching them how to self-manage. And so they will never learn how to manage the emotion. They will always have the emotion. And every time they have the emotion, they're always going to respond the same exact way. Um, the uh, There was some, yes. 
to also maybe it's a balance and and like every kid is even different some kids can more resilient and just brush it off we know who that is Michaela and then we have another one that is everything is something dramatic so I feel like when we entertain it and we see they're sad we condition them to dwell and pity versus like be move on and be grateful and try to be more positive so it's a and maybe this is our own internal problems with our kids, but I feel like they really, like, I don't want my daughter to be so, uh, like, and not not emotional, but I don't want her to be so dependent on someone else to make them feel better. They have to have their own confidence to be able yeah. to do that. Yeah, and that, that's when we have to start having problem-solving conversations with them after, only after, we've empathized and given them labels for their emotions. So, so it's kind of like that. This is the radical part here because this is about what what we're inserting into the process is a con, is a type of and style of conversation and engagement with the child that we're not used to having, right? And what we and it's gonna it's gonna slow things down a lot. It's a lot of work initially, but it's an investment that gives returns over time. So. What we need to do is the, the we're going to go through this, but the child is having a negative emotion, right? You often we can we do have the time. It's just we're not giving the time, but we do have the time. Sometimes you don't. Like sometimes you're going to rush to work and you're just going to deal with it later. But how you deal with it is the same way, right? Which is you start talking about what they're feeling, right? With children, they don't have the vocabulary, right? So you have to give them words. Right. Like this, this, this sounds really bad. It sounds like you do want your toy and it sounds like if you had your toy, you would be really happy. And I hate it when I don't have the toy that I want. Right. And, and, and so you're empathizing. Right. And it sounds like you're frustrated and you're angry. Right. And you're giving them the words. Slowly, this, the child will start to calm down. Right. Because they're, they're being hurt. Um, after a while, the child will learn, will have these words already. You don't have to teach them the same words over and over again, right? And, and also, um, when the child is able, to, when they have the words and they, they trust that you emp- can empathize with them, that, that conversation is going to happen a lot more efficiently, right? Because they trust you, so they're just going to go to you and tell you with their words, and, and so there's two points here. They have the vocabulary and they have the trust that you can empathize because they've done it before. So that conversation gets sped up a lot more, right? And that's what we see with, with people who are a lot more emotionally intelligent than others, right? The people who are not emotionally intelligent, they just behave in kind of like this, you know, irrational way, right? You're like, what are you doing? Like, why? This is ridiculous, right? But the people who are emotionally intelligent, they're not having more or less intense emotions. It's, but their behaviors are much better managed, right? Is that, like, responsive? Any other questions? So, so this is the, the part that we're, we're getting that's kind of radical right here because, because we're, we're, taking, we're, we're taking the distress and the problem, the solution part, and we're just wedging in this humongous new thing that we're not used to doing because we probably didn't experience it, okay? Um, so um, I think you guys got this message. All right, so number one, harm number one. Uh, this is probably, this is not the most important one. All six are important, but this is not the most important one, but this is kind of like a foundational one. Okay, this is a way to emotionally harm your children, not having a united front as parents, not being united on what to do with your children. And please listen to this statement, not being united on what to do with your children is a marriage problem, not a parenting problem.
So it doesn't matter if you if you disagree with each other as a couple. Stay united in front of the child, right? And deal with the disagreement on your own because that's a marriage question, right? It's not a parenting question, right? Like the parenting question comes when if both of you are on the same page and then you're like, wait, neither of us know what to do. We have a parenting problem, right? But Or a parenting question. But if you guys are not on the same page, you're, you know, you, do, you deal with it the way you deal with anything else that you're not on the same page with, right? This is a, it's a marriage question. And we, we in this group know how to deal with these marriage questions, right? When you're not on the same page, it requires communication, it requires compromise, right? So, so that's what I mean. It's almost always more impactful to the child to see your unity and consistency than it is for the child to do what you think is better than what your spouse wants. So what I'm saying is that the child gets more benefit from the unity than from either of the things you want. Like, if there's unity, there's more damage than either of you being right or wrong. Right? Do you guys get what I'm trying to say? Okay. Uh, I want to give you a real-life example. A real-life example. I saw this with my own eyes. So I was, uh, uh, years ago, I was with a family, a group of friends, uh, and uh, the the host uh, had uh, a daughter and uh, another child, and um, it was getting late, and there was a group of us there. And then the the daughter, uh, the, the mother says to the daughter, uh, she was probably like five or six at the time, and she said, "It's time to sleep. Let's go to sleep." Right? The daughter says, "No, mommy, I don't want to go to sleep. Right? I don't want to. I want to stay up. Right? Because there's all these people hanging out. Right? And and the mommy says, "No, it's time to go to sleep." Right. This happens back and forth like two more times. And uh, daddy is over there. The daughter runs to daddy, hugs his leg. Right. And she says, daddy, I don't want to go to sleep. And daddy looks at mommy and says, can we let her stay up for 10 more minutes? And the harm is done. Right. The harm is done. What are the consequences? The child learns that rules can be broken. Right. Rules can be broken. They learn that they can manipulate the system to their advantage. They discount one parent and elevate the other. They see weakness in the marriage, and that becomes part of the child's understanding of how marriage works, right? That the way marriage works is these two people who are different from each other, and you just have to, you know, just be strategic about it, and you can get what you want. The, 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 the child learns that the husband doesn't learn that the husband and wife are one. And the opportunity to model that is missed, right? So there's a major opportunity being missed, and there's a lot of offenses happening. So there's an opportunity cost, and then there's, there's problems caused, right? You guys with me so far, right? So what do I do instead? Don't be so quick to give your word if there's a chance that your, spite, your spouse may have a different opinion. So if you think your spouse is going to have a different opinion, don't be so quick to just give your word, right? It, it, oftentimes you're on the same page. I'm just talking about the exceptions, right? Um, you could just simply say, honey, what, what do you think we should do? You can even say that in front of the kid. Because what are you modeling? Teamwork, partnership, unity, right? Like, like parenting. Right? This, and and you're, you're enforcing this structure, right? Where there's parents at the top and there's children at the bottom, right? Because anything else, it's, it's, it's like compromising the structure, right? Go, if you happen to disagree with your spouse, 
like before you say anything, like if you happen to internally disagree, just go with what your spouse said and then deal with it later, right? Because that's a marriage problem, right? It's not a parenting problem, right? So if you happen to disagree, just, just deal with it later, but just go with what your spouse said, right? Remember, the benefit of the unity is greater than either, either person's opinion, right? Unless there's a fatal flaw, like someone, like, unless you have expertise and the child's going to be, you know, hurt or something. Think of this as an iterative process, process where you're learning to flow with each other, right? Like misalignment happens. Like think about the first few months of getting married. You're learning how to flow with each other, right? You're figuring it out. You disagree, and you're figuring it out, right? It's the same thing, right? You're just learning how to do this, right? This is all about communication and compromise, just like most other things in marriage, okay? All right, any questions so far? You guys bored? Are you with me so far? All right, okay. All right, let's do number two, invalidating the child's emotions. This is probably the most important one. Okay, and I'm really sorry about the size of the font. I'm just going to be better next time, God willing. Um, what usually happens, and we were talking about this earlier, child is distressed, we move right into problem solving. Either we're trying to solve the child's problem or we're trying to solve my problem as the parent, right? My problem is I need the kid to hurry up, like, I, like just stop, or we're in front of people, or we need to go, like we got work, right? Whatever it is, right? Um, or we try to solve the child's problem, right? Like the child has this thing, we just give them something, right? What should happen is there should, there's distress, and then what we should do is engage emotionally, and then we get to the problem solving. By the way, often almost maybe like 70 to 80% of the time, the end result is the same. Like the solution to the problem is the same a lot of times. Um, uh, uh, but you, you connect with the child and the child learns something emotionally, right? Th that's, that's the, that green box, right? Connect with the child and, uh, um, connect with the child, the parent to child connection and teaching emotional things, right? That's, that's the key difference between an adult and a child. No matter what your child is feeling, it is valid and needs to be processed in a healthy way with your help. That is the difference between an adult and a child, right? Sadness is sadness is sadness, anger, anger, anger. Uh, but when it comes to the child, they need two things. They need to connect with the parent, and they need to learn the words, like the, the, their own, the labeling. They need to learn all that stuff, right? You're teaching them. Every emotion is acceptable, but not every behavior, right? So, And, and that's something that we're kind of like, wait, we're just going to let the kid just emote all the time? Yeah, they can emote all they want all the time. Right? They're not going to, by the way, they're just, in the beginning, if they don't know how to manage their emotions, they will, they will just be like just a, a blob of like just emotional expression in all directions, right? In an unproductive way, right? Uh, but this does not compromise limit setting, right? At all, right? And we're going to talk about that, right? So every emotion is acceptable, but not every behavior. Just because the child is sad that they can't get this, doesn't mean they're, they need to get this, right? And, and so, yeah. To it, I was just going to ask, how do you differentiate between a child expressing negative emotions and just straight up defiance where they need discipline rather than emotional help? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, that's, that is such, <laughs> such a good question. We, we over, I actually just learned this from, a, I, I got called out on it. Um, um, 
I forgot the word that I use. Uh, yeah, I, I remember. I was saying to my supervisor just this past week uh, about a client, and I said, uh, you know, the client is resistant. Is resistant. Like they're they're just pushing back on things that I'm suggesting. And 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 you know, thank God we have this like checks and balances in place, and you get to be supervised and stuff. The supervisor said, you know, we overuse this word resistance. We think it's resistance. But really, there's something else going on under there, right? And, and so sometimes, because we feel like the child is going against what I want, that is defiance. But a lot, I, like, I'd probably say, I don't have the exact number, probably 60 to 80% of it is not defiance. It's just the child is aggressively demanding being understood. And they don't even know how to ask it. They're just, the most they can do is just go crazy. Like they don't know, they don't, they don't have the words, right? So, so be very, and, and we don't, we need to be careful not to enter into a power struggle with our children, right? Because we, if we interpret what the child is doing as defiance, then it's a power struggle. That, that is how power struggles are, right? There's defiance, right? So if we interpret it that way, then we're going to enter into a power struggle. But if we interpret it as this child is, is like, like, like desperately, asking to be heard, that changes everything, right? Like that is, that is a very different kind of conversation. Is that, is that responsive to it? Yes. About like terrible twos and, and there's like, it bleeds over into like threes and they're like, you know what I mean? So a lot of it though is usually, um, I don't want to say is like diminished to like, it's just their age, but is there something to be said that it is like a phase and it is their age versus like, no, it doesn't, it shouldn't be withholding them from the ability of actually having these skills, yeah. like the skill sets that you're talking about. Great question. Pretty much the answer is there's nothing about age. Once they can use language, this all applies, right? Actually, what we sometimes what we see in adults is is the same lack of emotional intelligence that that two year olds have, right? So it's it's not age dependent at all, at all. Once they can use language, we can give we can use it with them, right? And 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 because it's all about teaching, right? Like you're just teaching. Uh, giving them words and, and connecting. Yeah. Uh, this might sound extreme, but say you're trying to emotionally understand the kid and you're getting hit. And you're getting physically hit. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's like, yep. time out. There's no time for emotionally connecting. And then next that's thing right. you know, there's not even problem solving. It's just no, yeah, stuff yeah, that's yeah. not no. even on them. That's know? a really good question. We're, we're going to say this later that you, you, you cannot withdraw love. But you you can withdraw attention. You cannot you can never withdraw love, but you can withdraw attention. And and when you have a healthy emotional connection with your child, you're also able to express your own emotions, right? And and what just think about it. Just keep keep trying to to mirror this with adult interactions. What happens if an adult hits? They get separated from from the people, right? Because they're they're not safe. So, so a timeout is very fine. How do we do the timeout? We don't do it in a, with, with insulting words or with, we have to be very clear about why this timeout is happening, right? Um, you're hitting me, 
Um, you're going to go into timeout right now because you should not hit anyone. And once you're able to stop, uh, you know, hitting, we can have the conversation. You're going to go into timeout for five minutes now. And you put them in timeout. And, and you know, because the over time, and we'll get to this later about how to set consequences, you have to be a little creative, but, but you'll figure it out, like how to set the consequences, right? You, need, you learn what your child values, you, you, and you can spend some time thinking about it. But, but that's the point. So, so what, uh, if the child is hitting, they have to be uh, – it's not about punishment. It's just about it, – it is a punishment, but it's like a limit setting, right? You're setting the boundary. When you hit, you, you become separated, right? I still love you, but you're separated. Does that answer your question? Yeah. That's what God does, right? Yeah, that's what God does, yeah. Um, all right, so I want uh, another example here. Um, uh, were there any questions? Or, okay. Um, so another example. Um, uh, this is an example from one of the books that I'm going to tell you about. Uh, there's a book called uh, Raising... Uh, emotionally healthy children or raising an emotionally intelligent, sorry, raising an emotionally intelligent child by Dr. John Gottman. Really good book, right? Uh, there's also another book called Our Mothers Ourselves um, by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. Really, really good book as well. Uh, the example that uh, Dr. John Gottman gives is um, uh, uh, the father, uh, two sons, the young, it's the younger son's birthday. And um, and the, the younger son gets a gift in the mail from the grandma, right? The older son goes to the dad and he's like, I want a gift too. Like, why don't I get a gift, right? The father says, well, when it's your birthday, your grandma's probably going to send you a gift. Can anybody tell me what the issue is with that? He didn't say it, <laughs> he didn't say it louder. Yeah. What's the issue with that? Yes. would want a gift to it's nice to receive gifts like he didn't empathize with him yeah yeah like 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 the 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 father who what he completely missed emotions like the whole the whole emotional side of it was just completely missed right and i want to ask you a question when is that child going to learn how to deal with jealousy then jealousy is an emotion right when will he learn that is it going to be when he's an adult the stakes are much higher when you're an adult, right? Yeah. I almost feel like we expect adult emotional like intelligence out of children. Yeah. And we yeah. treat them as if they're already emotionally developed. Yeah. And so this is, I just, I'm reflecting on myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and just, again, it's, it's all about these two things, right? The parent and child connecting emotionally and teaching them giving them the words you need to give them words right and and model for them how to respond oh so so you say like you know you wish you had the, it sounds like you wish you had the toy right and the child will say yeah i wish i had a toy and you say yeah it, it really it's kind of doesn't feel good when you see your brother getting a toy it's just empathy right what i'm saying is not going to change the end result and by the way the end result should never be to give the child a toy right so, so uh, like that's really important, right? Um, so yeah, it really stinks that you don't have a toy, and you know, and you could even throw in like try to show that you relate too. Like you know, sometimes you know people get things and, that I want, and um, I'm I'm like I could be really sad, I could be pretty frustrated, I could be angry, I could be jealous, right? And the child's gonna say yeah, yeah, and then oh, slowly the child's gonna just kind of start to calm down, look at you, and just be like okay, like 
all right, like we connected. Like like my parent understands, right? does not always produce the desired result. For example, sometimes I think I'm doing a good job. My kid is still upset. So then I'm like, it's not working. So I'm going to stop. Yeah. The thing is, I, I, what I want to suggest is our goal isn't to make them not upset. Our goal is to connect with the upsetness and help them manage it. Because that's what happens with adults, right? Like, like and that, that's, a, that's a kind of like a, a trap we fall into, that, that my child is sad. As a parent, I need to stop that sadness. But that's not right. Like, like, sadness is not a bad thing, right? Sadness is actually something that Jesus experienced, and Jesus is perfect, right? So sadness is definitely not a bad thing. So, so we don't want to uh, tell this child to, to um, essentially separate themselves from their own emotions, because what ends up happening is the child doesn't trust themselves anymore, they don't trust their own feelings, and they end up developing self-doubt. So, so we don't want to stop sadness. We want to connect with it, lean into it, right? And, and, and it really helps to just keep like, reminding yourself of what would, I would, what would I do if it was an adult? Like, and I had the time. What would I do, right? You, you wouldn't try, like we all, I think we're all here pretty advanced. We, we wouldn't try to talk them out of it, right? Like if we're doing a really, really good job, we're just going to, we're going to empathize. We're going to connect. Right? What, what do you say when someone uh, passes away? You're, in, you're not going to try to stop sadness. Right? Actually, when you try to stop sadness, you, you significantly extend the time of grieving. Right? But it's actually when, when you connect with your sadness and you go into it and you start thinking about it and laying things out in detail, that's when you start to grieve. Right. So um, so our goal isn't to stop the sadness. It's to teach the child that they are sad, the different types of sadness and what they're sad, why they're sad, that I am here for you when you're sad. And this is how we behave when we're sad. It's like a, a really like this is a very different perspective. Right. Like it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Like I, 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 I wish I got all this when I was a kid. Right. I was learning it as an adult. Makar, I have a question. Do you, do you feel like maybe um, we as parents were conditioned to uh, go to the problem solving because this is what worked when not when our children were young, when they were just babies. When my kid is crying, they are hungry. And if I give them a bottle and they don't want it, they probably need to be changed. Yeah. If they don't need to be changed, then they're probably tired. And I need to find that most of the time if I throw a bottle in their face, it's going to work. They're going to stop crying. And so I become conditioned as a parent to put out the fire. And every time my child is upset or sad, that's a fire. Yeah. And I need to put it out. I need to put it out. What you're saying is like the fire is not the problem. You yeah. need to figure out how to like manage the person who caused the fire. When it's like me, I see a building burning. I want to turn it off. No, and, and ultimately, we want them to put out their own fires. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, but but we do, right? Like, isn't that isn't that like, you know, you, you, what ultimately our, our our goal as parents is to is to launch our kids out, right? As as independent, productive adults that are our friends, 
that don't need that don't depend on us, right? So, um, like, can you? What would make you happier than than seeing them being able to manage their own emotions, be in difficult situations, and manage them well? Like, you would be so proud, you know, if your kids could do that. And so that's what we're trying to teach them to do. That ultimately, this is about teaching them to put out their own fires. Yeah. Um, any other questions or, or comments? So, kind of like along the lines of what Kiko was asking, right? You 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 want to try to do a good job and emotionally connect with them, but and also relates like what Joy was saying, like at a certain age they don't um, give you the the opportunity to even connect with them, right? They're 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 freaking out, screaming, kicking. You're trying to calm down, trying to calm down, but they don't let you in. You can't get a word in. You can't ask them, mm. are you feeling jealous, happy, yeah. sad, angry, yeah. whatever. They're fr- and, and I know generally speaking, you have to wait for the child to get to the point where he or she can listen. That could sometimes take two hours. And, and, then, and then you can still try to talk, but it's, it's kind of... And it, which, by the way, um, after two hours of hearing a kid scream, I mean, you're not ready to <laughs> emotionally screaming, support yeah. anybody. You yeah. want to, you know, d- d- like break something, um, yeah. anything in sight. So, um, yeah. any advice? Yeah, I mean, I want to say uh, first that uh, s- w- w- once you internalize this message, uh, the, the initial investment is pretty high. It, it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, right? Just to start connecting with your child in this way, every conversation ends up taking like 20 minutes, you know. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Uh, over time, it definitely gets easier. Uh, I would, you know, uh, if we're dealing with two hours of, of like, you know, unrest, like significant unrest, uh, one of the things to ask is, what am I doing during those two hours? You know, is there anything that I can do to soothe the child? right? Uh, With the goal of not stopping there, right? The goal is to get them to a place where I can have a conversation, right? Um, If it takes two hours, it takes two hours, right? Um, Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but but, but I I would just really wonder, like, like two hours is a very long time. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, There was a question back there, and and then you, Nicole. Yeah, go ahead. So you're you're drawing an analogy between adults and kids. If you t- can you apply the same analogy between the physical things we do with the kids versus the psychological? And you just kind of evoked that thought when you said you know there's an initial investment, right? And if you think about potty training, right? There's this like it's always it's not fun because you pick a weekend, right? You commit to it. I mean you're basically shot during that weekend. But after that, you know, the child starts to learn to, to be to have independence. Is that an analogy for different parts of the psych or emotional intelligence that you're building in the child? Yeah. Like you pick a piece and you work on it for a weekend. Is that kind of the the way to to, to attack the problem? Yeah. With children, uh, it's like in general, yes. Uh, with children, it's it's really good to do it on the spot as, or, or as close soon after the emotional event. Um, so, um, yeah, 
yeah, like it is, there is an initial investment. Um, th there is one thing that will change though, is that the, the child will feel more empowered on tackling emotions in general. So, so, so things just get easier. Like they just get easier. It's just a lot of work up front, right? Things just get easier. I mean, I, I still experience emotions that I'm like, whoa, what, like, whoa, you know, and, but, but I know how to do it. Like I, I know what I need to do, right? I need to slow down. I need to spend some time alone. I need to think. I need to, you know, stop negative thoughts. Talk about, think about the positive things. Think about what's realistic. You know, make sure my behaviors are X, Y, and Z. Like I know how to do it, right? It's I still have emotions that maybe uh, like kind of were surprising to me, right? But but I I have more confidence than I've had you know years ago and how to what to do with that emotion, right? So over so over time it gets easier. Yeah. Uh, should I keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay, a lot of good questions. Um, so consequences of invalidating the child's emotions. Man, this is tough. Um, I, the, the, what's tough here is because uh, a lot of times when I look at these consequences lists, I think of clients or past clients, and all, most of my clients are adults. Right. So so like, again, what we're dealing with as adults usually started at childhood. Right. In other words, what we're dealing with as adults, parents caused it probably. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. So uh, not in a, in a condemning way. Um, the, the, the child builds up unresolved problems. They just keep getting they just keep piling up. Right. Because if we distract them, that the problem is still unresolved. The child becomes bitter toward parents because they do not provide for him or her the care that they need. The child begins to doubt self and is more likely, this is um, researched, more likely to develop low self-esteem. The child misses the opportunity to learn how to manage their emotions and deal with the problem. And the parents miss the opportunity to connect with and teach the child. Okay? All right. What to do instead? This is a concept called emotion coaching uh, coming from uh, uh, raising an emotionally intelligent child by Dr. John Gottman. It's five steps. All right. So the child is going crazy or whatever the child is doing, right? They're having a, an issue. Uh, first step is the first actually two steps are internal steps. They do not necessarily require, uh, you know, interacting with the child. Okay. The first step is be aware of the child's emotions. As a parent, ask, what can I come up with five words that probably my child is feeling? Right. What are they feeling? Ask yourself that question as a parent. The second thing is recognize and say, like the light bulb should go off and say, ding, 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 this is an opportunity for intimacy and teaching. This is an opportunity, right? Usually what ends up happening is we have this knee-jerk reaction of like, ah, oh, like, no, like, stop, you know, like, why, right? But we need to recognize this emotion as an opportunity for intimacy and teaching. Then now we engage. Listen empathetically and validate the child's feelings, right? We all know how to do empathy. Just keep doing it and, and do it like, like do it a bit, like repeat it a few times, right? Repeat it like probably two or three extra times than you would with an adult, right? Yeah, you're feeling this. Yeah, that really stinks. And I, oh, and you probably really do want this. And you say it again, right? Back and forth because the child is a bit simpler, right? Um, and val then help the child verbally label the emotions kind of like with number three. And lastly, set limits while helping the child problem solve. This is, um, Sometimes where it all kind of falls apart, where we 
we, we're done with the empathy, and then we just give them the solution, right? But what we really want to do to help them put out the fires is be like, hey, what do you think if we sh- if what do you think we should do, right? Or what have you tried already, right? Or what about this? Or what about that, right? And help the child start to solve their problems, bring up suggestions, right? And then the child uh, is going to see that they're contributing to their own resolution and recovery. But do not do not um, uh, compromise the limits. Do not compromise the limits. That's really important. Uh, it's not it's not about being rigid or being uh, uh, harsh. It's just about being clear and enforcing the boundaries, right? Um, I yes yes. I have two questions. One is from the chat. Um, what if I, as an adult, am unable to even emotionally connect with other adults, let alone children? My parents didn't even problem solve. They just moved to beating and beratement. I consider myself an upgrade from that because at least I problem solve. But I have absolutely no idea about emotional connection. Aside from referring me to therapy, what are some practical steps I can actually do to get better at this? Okay, I'm going to say three things. One is, uh, first, I probably... Uh, I really trust what this person is saying, that they're better than their parents. They probably really are in, in this area. The second thing is, even though they didn't ask for this, why not therapy? Like, why not? You know, what's wrong? Like, we need it, right? We got to learn. We got to grow, right? I, I, listening to that description, I can think of, you know, 10 directions that we can go to grow through this. It's probably a lot of bitterness lack of skills there's a lot of a lot of things a lot of things that could be worked through with a therapist a lot of good stuff like really really life-changing valuable stuff number three okay fine you don't want to go to the therapist uh go read uh like a book about emotional intelligence right like emotional intelligence 2.0 you could start there right um but there's lots of other books right um uh, there's um oh man there's this book i really forgot yeah, there's a lot of books. Uh, there's one book that I I know it's I know the the cover what the cover looks like, but I forgot the title. Yeah, but but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of books and and stuff to read, right? But but you see the thing is, guys, like emotional intelligence. Um, it, it let me just step off the the psychology stuff for a moment. As human beings, we're evolving. There's more technology, right? We're, we're getting better. Right. Actually, there was even I remember listening to some TED talk about how athletes perform better now than 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 the average of athletes 30 years ago. Right. We've learned more things about our physical bodies. We know how to train more efficiently. Right. We can do more physically. Right. We can do more. Just we know how to leverage ourselves with technology. We can do so many things. Right. So we advance as people. We're learning about ourselves. Right. That also includes emotionally. We're learning how to manage emotions better than the average people did, you know, centuries ago. And also the the circumstances were different, right? Right now, a lot of things are done for us. You kind of just, you walk into the home, you're really comfortable, you don't have to hunt for food, right? You have time. You have time to talk, right? You have time to say things. And when you have time to talk, what are you going to be talking about? Some of that's going to be emotions, Right. So, but when, but you know, centuries ago, it wasn't all about that. Right. It was about different things. Even just a generation ago, it was different things, depending on where our parents came from. Right. So, um, uh, so, so there's a lot to learn. And what I'm trying to say, the message, the short version is learn, learn, like take in actual knowledge. Like there are things to learn about my own heart. There are things to learn about the way my mind works. 
And I need to learn those things. That's very important. Another question. Sorry. Okay. In this example or these points you got here where, where um, you know, the parent is trying to teach the child how to problem solve and make suggestions and get them to listen to those things. What if they do not listen and refuse to do those, those uh, yeah, things? Yeah, I would, I would suggest not make suggestions. Uh, like, like try to leave it open and see what they come up with, right? And, and, and just the, the, one of the hardest things to do when, when listening empathetically is to slow things down. Like just slow it down. Give yourself, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Just slow it down, right? You don't always have the time. There's ex many exceptions, right? You don't always have the time. But, but when you do it, uh, and when you don't have the time, be clear that you don't have the time. Like, like right now we have to do this. And we're going to talk about this when we get home or whatever, right? Um, because you don't want to uh, have the child think that you are listening and you're really not. That's also a really bad thing um, because they really lose connection with you and they're very sensitive to that. Um, so we are over time. Um, I don't know. What should we do? Like, like, should we do one more? Like, maybe, huh? Okay. Huh? Okay. I think everybody's happy to be apart from their children. The slides can be made available. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> know. I mean, um, uh, by the way, I, I, I believe God blesses all, every parent's efforts. Like, um, God is not condemning any parent for um, for being imperfect. Uh, God, God will 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 judge you if you're not trying, right? So, so, but, but now, but now this information is here. Right, so you got to do something about it. And that's that's the thing. All right, number three, losing your cool, losing your cool. The only time when it may be justified to lose control of your behaviors is when there's an emergency. That is the only time where it's justified to lose control of your behaviors. And even then, even then, do what is instinctual to protect, not what's instinctual to punish. Okay, like 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 what like whatever your knee jerk reaction is, you only do you do like follow that reaction if it's to protect, not if it's to punish. Okay, so uh, do not raise your voice. Do not hit. Uh, if anybody wants to talk more about hitting, we can. Um, hitting, by the way, in general, it's so hard to get it right that that the general message is just don't do it. Like just don't do it. It's 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 so easy to get it wrong, like so so easy. Um, if you have to raise your voice or hit, your system of consequences is not robust enough. If you have to raise your voice or hit, your system of consequences is not robust enough. A real life example. Um, the uh, the uh, I was sitting at a home. The mother yells at the son, "Hey, uh, get come down and take out the garbage." Come down and take out the garbage. Son doesn't respond. She says it again. Hey, come down and take out the garbage. He says, Mom, okay. And then five minutes pass and she says, Hey, I said, come take out the garbage. This happens about one or two more times. The child comes and takes out the garbage. That is, that is a, a, a characteristic example of all the interactions in that home. The yelling, uh, repeating over and over again, everybody's nagging everybody, right? Uh, in all directions, right? And it's really, really bad, right? 
what are the consequences of losing your cool before we talk about what to do instead? Once you lose your cool, and I'm focusing a little bit more on uh, raising your voice or hitting, the door is, once you, once you lose your cool, the door is closed to emotional engagement and the home is not safe. I, so I'm sounding like a broken record. Just imagine an adult-to-adult interaction and one of you yells. What happens? Like intimacy? No way, right? No, the, door, the, it, 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 the yelling immediately becomes the priority issue, right? Like it doesn't matter what you were talking about. Once you insert that type of behavior, it shifts the priority list. A dynamic develops that integrates forms of emotional and often physical abuse. Children do not learn responsibility. Parents continue to feel neglected. And children will carry abuse and emotional suppression into their adult lives. What to do instead? Have a simple and robust system of consequences. Simple and robust, right? Uh, what I... Um, so as parents, invest time to come up with appropriate consequences. You see, this is, this is one of the hard things about parenting is that you have to come up with like consequences that, that, that are appropriate, that, that match the, the offense, that, that are like, um, uh, like touch a value of the child's. Like it's, it's hard, right? It's hard. But, but, but you only need to come up with them a few times, right? You just, you just got to come up with them and then you have them, right? It's just like your, your toolbox of consequences, right? So they have to be consistent fair and related to the misbehavior. And they have to be enforceable. Like you can't just say some general consequence like you're going to get in a lot of trouble. That's not going to do anything, right? Communicate the consequences in advance. So, so just, just to, get, to go back to that example, what, what, what the mother should have done is before needing the garbage to be taken out, she should have said, like, um, you know, at this time, um, like, can you please garbage, right? She just, just had a, 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 like, because what ended up happening was the son got, like, surprised by this request, right? Like, what should have what happened is that the mother should have, like, planned ahead and told the son, like, at this time, can you please take out the garbage on this day, whatever, right? And then she should have just waited, right, and sees what happens. When it doesn't happen... She could, has the conversation and then lets it happen maybe one more time, sees what happens. Third time, then come up with, have a consequence beforehand and then share it with the son. Hey, I've noticed that the last two times that we agreed on this and that, this wasn't done. And this is a, a teenage son, right? So, so you, you can, the, the difference between like a younger child and an older child is, that, is uh, how much time can pass from the issue to the response. Right. So, so a teenage son can remember from like a week ago. Right. A younger child, they have to get the response right away all the time. Right. So, uh, so I've noticed they haven't done this and blah, blah, blah. And so, uh, the next time this doesn't happen, this is going to be the consequence. That's it. If she came up with a consistent, fair and uh, related, relevant, relevant consequence and that's enforceable, it's going to work. Right. It should work. If it doesn't work, the consequence wasn't good enough. You need to come up with a better consequence, right? Unless there is a, a possibility, by the way, but it's more, it's somewhat exceptional that there's just like major, major conflict and tension in the home. That's a very different type of situation, right? But, but that's a different kind of situation. Yeah. And this is more of a comment. So this is actually a great um, supplement if, if you guys did attend the GIST event that we did last year. So he's, his, the basic GIST of that talk um, <laughs> was basically... Um, Basically, don't ever when a when a child misbehaves, you're not to engage. 
at that moment. And the reason is because a lot of what you've said already, you, you tend to shame, you tend, you tend to put down, you tend to make the, the kid feel terrible and emotionally disconnected. But to further the example of the garbage, let's just say as an example, this kid really struggles with taking out the garbage. So the parent should say, son, we're going to work on taking out the garbage. When I ask you to take out the garbage, you need to take it out. If you don't, I'm going to take away your phone. And we're not going to talk about it. And in fact, the, the writer, the author even says, take the phone when he's not looking. So you don't have that engagement of you're taking my phone and there's a freak out session right there. So it's very clear up front. This is the expectation. You are to take out the garbage when it's time to take out the garbage. If you don't, there's this consequence. And there's no words exchanged. There's no um, shaming. There's no putting down. There's no screaming. There's no yelling. But the consequence is clear. And it's severe enough where that kid understands, okay, it's going to and, and And he writes, more than likely, that first time you ask him to take out the trash or he's supposed to take out the trash, he's not going to do it. Got to take the phone away. He's going to look for his phone. Mom, where's my phone? Well, remember, remember, I asked you to take out the garbage. You didn't. That's all I'm going to say about it. Period. Yeah, yeah. And, and then yeah. and then he gets it. Next time, he's going to take off the trash. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I would add uh, uh, two other things. Is There is an opportunity to say, hey, the garbage needs to be taken out by 7 p.m., right? What works for you? Like, what, what, what could, would you like to do? If it needs to be done by this time, would you like to do it by 5 or, or 6? Or you could just do it, do it any time before 7 p.m. or whatever, right? The other thing I want to say is um, definitely if, if, if you're going to respond to your child with, like, shaming and criticism and all those things, do not do it, right? Like, much better to wait than to come in with that, right, with guns blazing, right? Um, but I encourage us, all of us, not to come in with shaming and criticism because you could save a lot of time. You could respond immediately, but in a healthy way and get what you need. Right. And, and it's good. And you're modeling really good behaviors. So, um, yeah. Um, so, so make sure the consequences are specific and clear and always follow through on the consequences with a younger child. Um, uh, as long as it's consistent, uh, you just have to remind them of the consequence and then, and then you could do it like, Shortly, like very, 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 very soon after, like within a minute, two minutes or something, right? You just, they, they, as long as it's consistent, it's consistent, yeah. Oh, to always follow through on the consequences. Well, um, so so you, what you're describing is a, is a complex consequence, right? It's like a, a kind of like a two-stage consequence, right? Where you, you deal with the consequence, and now we're going to add the second stage where you can undo it by earning it back, right? If that is how life works in real life, in that specific type of misbehavior, like what what pa would parallel that as an adult, that's fine, right? Like, you know, uh, what do they do? Like you commit a crime, you go to jail, and then you're going to be on probation, right? Or something like that, right? If it works, it works, right? It's not necessarily right or wrong. Um, it's just, um, it just, it just has to make sense. Like, the, the, con the message, the thing to, that's hard in this is, what's the message that I want them to get from the consequence? What is it, 
Like, what, what would they learn from this? And then the second question, which is equally important, is how could this consequence be misinterpreted? Right? Like, like sometimes our, our consequences are too blunt, or they're not specific related to the misbehavior. You know, they're just kind of like a, a big consequence doesn't make any sense. Like, yes. And you can give it back. An iPad or whatever, a doll, a toy, like a stuffed animal. So when is it like, I mean, if it's, is it, is it the end of the night they have to get the point? Like what, when does a child get the click that, wow, you took something away from me. I want, because sometimes it's like, are you being too harsh when you make it too long? You, you know, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you, you definitely don't want to be too harsh, of course, but, um, you know, but the other thing too, is you might take something away if a child's young enough, they're going to forget after a while that you took it away. Right. So what you kind of want to do is you, you want to um, have the consequence like uh, end to end. You want the cycle to be effective. So maybe it might just be that you take it away for, uh, you know, 10 minutes because, because they're going to that that 10 minutes is going to feel it for 10 minutes and then they're going to get it back. So they're going to see the whole cycle. Okay. Right. But sometimes you take it away for an hour and, you know, by the time the hour gets by, they're already dealing with playing with another toy and they forgot that they faced the consequence. Do you take it away until they agree to do the task or even if they Oh yeah. Until they until they actually do the task. Not yeah. even after and then yeah. if they do the task, yes. you still keep the consequence longer than just when they do the test they get it back. Um it, it, I I don't think that that's like it's it's too critical and, and it might actually uh be better to give it to them once they've completed the task. Just to, because it, that, 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 especially with a younger child, because that kind of gets them to the end of that, the consequence cycle. Like it gets them to the end of it, and they can connect with, okay, I did behave like accordingly, and I and I got the thing back, so the punishment is over, and they get the connection. It's clear. For an older child, it could the punishment could be a little longer, but um, it, it really depends. Like there's so many cases, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't think it's it's too. It's like a make it or break it either way. Uh, yeah. You, you just want the child to get, there's a message from, for every minute of the consequence. Like, like for all the minutes of the consequence, they need to be learning something, right? Whether it's the, the pain of, of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, not complying with society, which is really just your home. They, they need to experience that pain, right? And um, so that's the, the goal, the whole, the whole cycle, yeah. Um. We're probably going to need another time to continue. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, you guys okay with that? We'll continue another time. Uh, is that okay? All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Any other questions or comments or concerns? All right. God willing. Glory be to God forever. Amen.